Woo! Hey, hey, welcome back. I'm so glad to see you all. Uh, welcome to Demote Mitch Monday. Uh, whole new name because we have a whole new focus. Uh, we are, of course, though, the Mitch McConnell Retirement Committee. Uh, for now, <laughs> watch this space. Uh, there might be changes afoot. Uh, but very exciting show today for Demote Mitch, the first ever Demote Mitch Monday. Um, we've got a shift in our co-host seats. We're very excited to welcome back on the show Denise Gray coming back to the camp uh, to the committee after some committed time on the campaign trail. Uh, we got Mitch in the news, a couple of important stories. We got Doug with us for a deep dive into the corruption of uh, one of the two corrupt Republicans that are running for the Senate in Georgia. Uh, Georgia Senate, that's really important. That's a very important thing. But they've got so much corruption uh, that we couldn't do it all in one episode. So you're gonna have to come back next week to hear about the second corrupt Senate candidate in Georgia. Uh, and this week we've got a guest from Georgia, one of the indivisible te uh, teams in Georgia. Uh, hear from them about what they're working on, which is really exciting. And we've got an important call to action uh, as well. The keys are there. Georgia. So we are, uh, we're all about Georgia right now. Uh, but let's do a quick check in with our with our hosts, of course, who are you? Where are you? What does your protest sign say today? Of course, I'm Aaron coming at, coming to you from lovely deed restricted Childsburg, uh, the south side of Lexington. Uh, my protest sign says today, Mitch better have my money. It's a classic, it's a throwback, I'm bringing it back, uh, and it's very much in uh, keeping what we'll be talking about in just a minute. Uh, and next, who we got? Who's joining us? Hey, everybody. It's great to be back. Um, my name is Denise Gray, and I'm coming to you from the proud side of the north side of Lexington, where there is no restrictions upon us. And my protest sign says, I tried it. I did it. I gave it my all. That's it. Period. Yes. Thank you, Denise, for giving it your all. Uh, you know, we're glad to have you back. We're, but I'm. I tell you what, I'm so glad you were there on the campaign. I'm glad, you know, that you were putting uh, putting it all in because you know that's what, you know, some sometimes <laughs> sometimes in politics it doesn't turn out the way you want it to. Uh, it seems like in Kentucky, maybe more often than, than, than not, it doesn't turn out the way you want it to. We are in a we are in a tough red state right now. But I know that the campaign was far better because you were on it. Uh, I know that we you know we did what we could as an exterior group. But I'm so glad you were you were in the weeds and the thick of it. And thank you so much for your for your service to our Commonwealth. Is really I think what it was. Because that is actually why I did it. It wasn't for for myself at all um, because I was perfectly fine working with the governor's office and um, I was in helping Amy McGrath because I believed in Kentucky. I believed that we all each deserve a future where we can each and every single one of us from um, eastern Kentucky to western Kentucky from the hollers to the hood um, to make sure that we are all achieving and living a life that we are so should be living here in the state of Kentucky that has access to internet, you know, that has access to jobs, that has access to public education and higher ed and the jobs that we all can make a real living on. But Kentuckians decided otherwise. 
But well, you know, there was all that scary socialism they had to fight. There was all the you know baby killing that happened. There was all the like just so many scary things. The guns. We were gonna take their guns. Thank oh. God that Mitch is back in there to keep people from getting their guns taken. Uh, you know, like the the eight years of Obama where all the guns disappeared. And then thankfully they yeah, came magically. back for the three years of, uh, of Trump or four years of Trump. But, yeah. but hey, it's just great to be back. And you all, we just know that we have a lot of work to do in, this, in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And I believe in each and single one of you all, but it's our job to make sure we reach out to those and outside of the 6th Congressional District, outside of Lexington, outside of Northern Kentucky and reach the people who truly feel unheard. And that's why I'm here. I'm glad to be back because this is what we do. Let's do it. Go. Let's do it. All right. So we're doing Mitch in the news right now because Mitch is always in the news because the MF is always making uh, having an impact uh, on the national Democrat or the national political scene. Unfortunately, it's rarely a positive impact. And that's the story we've got today for you uh, from my end. This is actually from Fortune. Uh, Fortune magazine. The headline is U.S. speeding toward COVID-19 stimulus cliff as relief programs approach December 31st expiration. Uh, so yeah, that's what's happening, right? So we got a new president-elect. doesn't really matter what kind of crazy conspiracy legal theories are out there. President-elect uh, President Biden, uh, and he has been behind the scenes working very hard to try to get Congress to do its job and reauthorize these CARES Act programs. Uh, obviously, the House you know, people hate Nancy Pelosi. Mostly they hate, it, hate her because they've been told by Fox News to hate her. But, you know, a lot of people on Capitol Hill don't her because she's so damn good at her job, right? So uh, she has passed uh, the HEROES Act, a very, very important bill to take care of the, stim you know, the kind of coronavirus stimulus programs that we really do need. Uh, Mitch, McCall's, Mitch McConnell calls it a liberal wish list because, you know, it takes care of like teachers and give schools the, you know, the PPE they need. It takes care of, you know, rural hospitals. It takes care of, you know, uh, city and municipal and state governments that are in these kind of budgetary pro problems. Uh, but, you know, it takes care of the folks who are being impacted by coronavirus right now and the uh, economic collapse resulting from that. Uh, and, you know, she she's so good, she passed the bill twice, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, Mitch and the Senate can't do jack anything to do a bill, right? Uh, so Biden is trying to get uh, the, these folks together to pass an actual bill. Uh, and here's the kind of the quote, right? Uh, so it appears that nothing short of a holiday miracle will make anything happen within the 36 days left in 2020. Senate is on recess until today. The House is on recess until tomorrow. The House will adjourn on December 10th, the Senate on December 18th. So that leaves between eight and 15 working days to sort out one of the most massive and divisive legislative undertakings in years. So that is, uh, that's a lot, right? That's a, that's a, that's a very tough row to hoe, uh, a steep climb ahead of them. Uh, and the pandemic assistance all ends. Everything that has been passed through the CARES Act, it all ends on December 31st. So the federal eviction moratorium, the student loan forgiveness program, that gig worker unemployment program insurance that was so important, right? Because Uber and Lyft drivers wouldn't traditionally qualify for unemployment insurance because it's going to contract uh, uh, labor. Uh, and so that was addressed in the CARES Act. That would be addressed in the HEROES Act, but it all expires on December 31st. Obviously, Joe Biden will not be president until January 20th. So he, is, he can't do anything about any of this. And of course, you know, 
Trump is just too busy tweeting conspiracy theories to actually lead. Uh, but they have been and raising money. Actually... And he's raising, raising money. Raising money for his legal defense fund. Read the fine print. It's not going to any sort of a legal defense fund. It's just going to him to be able to spend it for, you know, his uh, his his uh, corrupt ends. Uh, but so folks on the left are absolutely furious about Mitch's unwillingness to negotiate a legitimate relief package. Everyone from AOC to Robert Reich, I think we've actually got some video of Robert Reich, uh, you know, making his case very, very, uh, you know, eloquent, thoughtful, informed individual. Let's hear from him right now. The Senate has adjourned and left town without even trying to pass a COVID disaster relief bill. By the time they return on November 30th, based on current trends, an additional estimated 16,000 Americans will have died from COVID-19. We pay these elected officials to keep us safe, and they have failed us. To them, I ask, how much death and suffering must the American people endure before you act? So Robert Reich, you know, as as we're as we're talking about Mitch in the news, one story that's been in the news a lot has been the um, who Biden is putting on his his cabinet, right? I, that's unfortunately that Robert Reich's name has never been mentioned because I would love to have that kind of a super progressive, unabashedly uh, liberal voice there. But uh, but yeah, so he's you know, he makes it very clear. Mitch is not doing his job. Mitch has not been doing his job. Uh, you know, this entire pandemic. Uh, you know, give him to, you know, like some tiny little bit of credit for wearing a mask and encouraging everyone to wear a mask. But that's about the extent of it. Otherwise, of course, he's about trying to pr provide legal protections for corporations. That's his number one most important priority uh, when he can be, you know, distracted from appointing young conservative judges uh, to actually deal with the coronavirus. Uh, so yeah, it, it's horrific. It's outrageous. And we should not stand for it as Kentucky constituents of Mitch McConnell. We should be calling his office, we signing petitions, whatever it takes to get his awareness that we are paying attention. Uh, so yeah, Denise, what are your thoughts about that? Well, my, my thoughts on this are simple. It is what it is. There's nothing that anyone can say that can make me be upset at this point um, because I'm sorry, Aaron, I see the look in your eye. And what I'm thinking is we're here because that's it. So my thoughts are, it is yeah, what it is. Like, there's no shock, right? There's no I'm surprise. He's been my there's senator. There's no surprise. We, we, we eyes wide open. He's been my senator since I was a child. There's nothing that you can say about Mitch McConnell that can shock me. Uh, what's shocking is that he's still my senator. Um, but one thing that I, that came to my mind while you were talking about your awesome story and informing the masses about what's going on is this, uh, while watching Spectrum earlier today, I noticed that, um, funding, there were a lot of fun, uh, funds that are going to help, um, Kentuckians, um, such as uh, those who are restaurant owners here in the state of Commonwealth of Kentucky. And the claim is that there isn't enough funds that the governor is offering to um, the restaurant owners. The issue is not the governor. The issue is the person who is blocking the funds coming to, um, to Kentuckians and to these small business owners. And that one person that has been reelected by Kentuckians is Mitch McConnell. 
he is the issue. And I know that upcoming, I know that everyone is looking towards Governor Andy Brashear, but the everyone should actually be looking to Mitch McConnell, the person they just voted for. For yeah. which term? Which yeah. term is this of his? Is it seven? Seventh time? Six. Yeah. Six. Whatever Six. it is, way too many. And the fact so we're um, Kentuckians. We are complaining to the wrong about the wrong political um, leader. Uh, we're complaining yeah. to the wrong person that our complaints are falling on deaf ears because you're talking to the wrong person. The person that you should be complaining to is the person that are senators. Uh, we have Rand Paul and we also do have Mitch McConnell. So when you're talking about funds that are coming to help us, such as what you just said, Aaron, such as the unemployment, such as, you know, things to help regular Kentuckians make their ends meet in the middle of this pandemic is um, Mitch. And yeah, 100%, 100%. He's not getting the credit or the blame. He absolutely needs it. We need to he focus on him. Uh, we need to, we, I think we got but another story. There's somebody else. There's somebody else that needs some blame right now. And that is uh, Mitch McConnell's buddy, um, Lindsey Graham, who was also up for re-election in November. And he wants like, well, he snuck through. Um, he won his um, election, although every single thing that he said was a lie and it was documented on live and living color um, in the press and in videos he too was elected there and so also so this story is this so while um the recount was taking place there in georgia um our own not our own but um south carolina's own <laughs> lindsey graham uh, made a phone call to the Attorney General of Georgia to the, to ask him the following. The um, so, which leads up to many issues. Um, the uh, which there has been complaints by the um, Ethics Committee, the Senate Ethics Committee. The complaint centers on a phone call that Senator Graham placed to the Georgia Secretary of State where he proposed, he as in Lindsey Graham proposed to the Secretary of State to invalidate thousands of legal, legal mail-in ballots. Um, the actual quote that is in, um, that was stated in the Washington Post is, you know, is if he had the power, he as in the Attorney General had the power to toss out all mail-in ballots um, in counties found that had higher rates of non-matching signatures. The issue is non had issues, not saying that they were had actual non had issues with their signatures, that the counties themselves had issues with it. This in itself um, is a person with power who is reaching into another sovereignty's Never so sovereignty's election, which is felonious in itself. Um, and he ne needs to be held accountable. Um, as I stated earlier, the Senate um, Ethics Committee has already submitted a, a complaint. Um, and 
as in articles stated by the slate and numerous others, legal charges, criminal charges need to be need to be filed in this order and to hold him accountable. Um, if we were any of us were to interfere with the election, we would have criminal charges pending against us. Why is Senator Lindsey Graham above the law? That's my question. Hundred percent. It's outrageous, right? So. It is what outrageous. makes me shocked. What makes me shocked in this story is that he thought, you know, he, he was on the phone with Secretary of State. So you just assume that he was like, yeah, you're on our team. We can think through strategically how we could, you know, steal the election for Trump. So, yeah. So in these counties where, you know, the their signatures don't match or some of them don't match, can we just throw out all of them? All, all of the them. Mail- like that was, basically the, that was basically the strategy, right? So he's sharing this with the Secretary of State who, you know, is a Republican because that's mostly who's, who's in statewide office in Georgia. But apparently Lindsey was not paying attention because both both of the Republican Senate candidates or sitting senators who are up for re- trying to get reelection, they had already called on the Secretary of State to step down because he like mismanaged the election. They had already like thrown him to the crazy left or right wing conspiracy wolves. And so Lindsey's still thinking that this guy is, you know, on team Republican, even though he's being like, you know, just stabbed in the back uh, already for running a legitimate election. What an idiot. And so (laughs) what Lindsey Graham and so many others, because he's not the only one who overstepped their bounds and what they should be doing, um, is that they thought, hey, the Republican Party is is the party of Donald Trump. We're all like Donald Trump. We're all treasonous. We all are corrupt. However, like I said, when I ran for office, and I still say today, there are still good, sound Republicans out there. I mean, I don't know, you all don't have to hold my beliefs, but I truly do believe it. Um, Who aren't the new Republican Party who, I don't even know what to say, but that's all I'm saying. But some people who truly do have values and morals, let's put it that way. And when he reached out to- They're out there. Yeah. There's far, it's far in between, you know, it's slim pickings, but there are some out there who are great and have pure of heart and who just want to do their job and serve their, their um, citizens when they're elected. And he chose the wrong one because this one right here reported him rightfully so. Totally. It was great. Great to see. I'm so glad to see him. And, uh, you know, if there was any sort of justice in DC and if Mitch wasn't running a corrupt, unethical Senate, then Mitch, then uh, Lindsey Graham would absolutely have been forced to, you know, step down from his committees or have been kicked off his committees and would be, you know, at least held in abeyance while there was an actual investigation into this, because it seems pretty clear that what he did was, you know, beyond the pale. And what I want is for Lindsey Graham and all those who are elected officials who are acting inappropriately in an illegal, corrupt manner to be held as if they are the regular citizens of the United States of America. Be held accountable like you live down over here on Main Street down here in Lexington, Kentucky, um, who go to work every single day. If they did the same thing, they would have criminal charges that were pending at this moment point blank. And so I'm tired of our uh, elected officials, um, especially our senators, even those here from the great state of Kentucky, 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 and those from other states be held as if they were special above the law when they're not. They're just regular people who put on their pants just like we do. 
Absolutely. All right. So, hey, we're going to move on to our um, call to action segment. Uh, this is, a, you know, keep talking about Georgia. Why do we keep talking about Georgia? Why does Georgia matter? Uh, and what can you do about it? All right. So first off, the reason we talk about it, this Georgia election is because on January 4th, the Georgia runoffs are going to be happening. So two Senate seats are, are up, for, up for election. Uh, the future of the Senate is still in the balance, right? Uh, because uh, at this point, uh, you know, there are, uh, it's like, it, it's a tie. Uh, and if, if we win, if the Democrats flip both of these, uh, these seats, we will go to a 50-50 tie uh, in the Senate. Uh, and that means that the tie-breaking uh, vote would go to uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. So she could take a break from breaking glass ceilings and go break some tie votes in the Senate. Uh, and the Democrats would control the Senate. So uh, that is really important uh, all in for the next you know, month plus to do everything in our power to, uh, to, to, to flip the, the, the Georgia Senate uh, seats. And one really easy, we're gonna hear more about what's happening there on the ground later on with our interview, but an easy way to help, uh, help get involved is to go to uh, voteforward.org. Uh, this is a really easy uh, program that you can sign up for. And you'll be able to um, you'll be able to get you know print letters uh, to Georgia voters, uh, and then you can kind of handwrite a note about why you think voting is powerful and why you're encouraging people to get out and vote. You know, these are people who are kind of low propensity voters or high potential voters, uh, folks who you know need to get a couple more touches to get them to the polls, and especially on a on a runoff election, they're just not as well you know known to be happening. Right. So in the national you know, uh, presidential race, the election, you know, turnout is going to be super high, especially this, this most recent one, which is a, you know, it was a historic high. But when you got to a runoff race, people might not know that's happening. So these kind of handwritten letters can really make a difference. So go sign up, voteforward.org, Indivisible, and you can, uh, you can add, uh, add, your, add, add your help to that race. So easy way to do it. Please do it right now. Uh, send 20 letters, send five letters, send 200 letters. There's lots of voters that can be uh, encouraged in this way. And, you know, they're doing it in a really scientifically sound way. It's not about us writing from Kentucky to tell them how much we hate Mitch, right? It's just, it's talking about nonpartisan language about how important it is to vote, why, you know, why being a voter is important. Uh, that kind of language will turn people out far better uh, than, you know, partisan, uh, please help flip the Senate blue. That stuff might, you know, motivate us, <laughs> but we're not like most voters and we're certainly not like you know uh low propensity voters so uh that's that's what's going on with our call to action i hope everyone takes action on this uh today uh next we're going to do our uh following mitch's money uh so doug price is here with us uh he's always at the deep dive in the research into what's going on and so doug welcome uh welcome back and thank you so much for your following mitch's money I would certainly be in favor of allowing states to use the bankruptcy route. Uh, welcome to another edition of Following Mitch's Money. I think maybe I need to think about uh, renaming this Following Corrupt Republican Politicians. As everyone knows, uh, MMRC was unsuccessful in our quest to ditch Mitch. But there is another way to at least remove him as majority leader, as Aaron has already noted. And that does involve the January elections in Georgia. I decided that tonight I'm going to talk about one of those Republican candidates, Kelly Loeffler. She's running against the Democrat, Raphael Warnock. 
Kelly is 50 years old and is and married 65-year-old Jeffrey Spreacher in 2004. Apparently, they met when she worked for him at a subsidiary he owned. She co-owns the Atlanta Dream of the Women's National Basketball Association. Her husband is CEO of the Intercontinental Exchange and chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. ICE, the company that he's CEO of, owns the New York Stock Exchange. Who knew that you could own the New York Stock Exchange? They have a net worth of 355 to 530 million, and she is probably the richest member of Congress. They reside in Tuxedo Park, Atlanta, in a $10.5 million, 15,000 square foot estate named Desconte. They also own a $5 million con condo. I think maybe it's, it's in Georgia or Florida, maybe close to the beach, but it's not on the water. Um, she pledged to self-fund her campaign and so far has contributed about $23 million to the campaign. But there's a caveat to this. She loaned the money to her campaign and on at least a portion of the money, she is charging interest on the loan. If you haven't figured it out, she loans her campaign money. She solicits contributions in hopes of paying herself back while earning interest on the loans to her campaign. And apparently this is all perfectly legal, but she goes out on the campaign trail and says, I'm self-funding, but you all give me more money so I don't have to self-fund as much. And we know who makes the laws, funny how that works. She is positioning herself as a hard right Trump aligned candidate. In September, she ran an ad where she declared she is more conservative than Attila the Hun, and which featured a photograph of her with Trump. Attila the Hun is remembered for saying of his powerful reign, there where I have passed, the grass will never grow again. So what do you think? Isn't that a weird comparison? What does being more than conservative than Attila the Hun really mean? Within the last six months, she has been accused of buying, selling stocks based on private congressional briefings and may be the subject of an FBI investigation into insider trading. The Senate's Ethics Committee ruled that she had not violated ethics rules and the DOJ dropped an investigation into her affairs. She solicited campaign donations in the halls of Congress during a November 18th Fox News appearance in an apparent violation of both Senate ethics rules and federal law. This is a quote from her. Look, we know that hundreds of millions of dark liberal money is pouring into our state. That's why it's so important that everyone across the country get involved. They can visit kellyforsenate.com to chip in five or 10 bucks and get involved and volunteer. She also posted a separate clip from the same interview conducted in the Senate building to her personal candidate Twitter page. That video links out to a campaign donation form. Senate ethics rules bar lawmakers from asking for contributions on federal property. I think probably the Senate building is on federal property and federal statutes make doing so a crime. According to 18 U.S. Code uh, 607, 
It shall be unlawful for an individual who is an officer or employee of the federal government, including the president, vice president, and members of Congress to solicit or receive a donation of money or other thing of value in connection with the federal, state, or local election while in any room or building occupied in the discharge of official duties by an officer or employee of the United States from any person. I think it's appropriate at this time to mention that Trump violates this law pretty much every day. Violators, the law says, shall be fined not more than 5,000, imprisoned not more than three years or both. So I don't think we want to elect her uh, because she might be in jail. Citing that cr criminal statute, the rules and standards of conduct maintained by the Senate Ethics Office say, members and staff may not receive or solicit campaign contributions in any federal building. Does the old phrase, where there is smoke, there is fire, apply to this situation? Of course, I cannot vote in this election. Some folks are actually moving to Georgia and getting registered in time to vote, but I can't leave Kentucky. But if I could, my vote would go to Raphael Warnock. Back to you, Aaron. All right, thank you, Doug. Uh, and yeah, Kelly Loeffler, breaking campaign finance laws right there live on television. Uh, that seems like not ideal. Uh, obviously, there's also the you know insider trading uh, information that uh, seems seems like uh, also a problem. Uh, but you know that's what you get. You know, <laughs> you uh, appoint uh, an incredibly rich person to. Uh, serve as your senator and they don't seem to understand anything except for, you know, money, right? It's like the world is all about money, uh, which I think is, you know, a, a, a quite a contrast from uh, Reverend Warnock, who of course is running against uh, her and is uh, of course, you know, is now the, uh, the, the pastor from Martin Luther King Jr.'s old church uh, in Georgia, which is uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, which is really amazing. So, uh, but we're excited about this race. We want to help out however we can. And so, you know, to, to find out how we could uh, be of assistance, we wanted to hear what was happening on the ground. We are really excited uh, to be joined tonight, right now, uh, by Gail Cowie, who is with Indivisible's Georgia Coalition. Uh, and so, as everyone knows, we are an Indivisible affiliate here in Kentucky. Uh, we got a, there's a great network of Indivisible groups that are all kind of eyes on the prize, working to make uh, you know Congress and the Senate more progressive and fight for the issues that matter. Uh, and so, you know, when we wanted to know what was happening in Georgia, we wanted to hear from an Indivisible group. Uh, and thank uh, thank uh, Gail so much for joining us tonight. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Pleased to be here. I hope y'all are doing well also. Uh, you know, we aren't, 
right? We just got, <laughs> we just had this horrible, horrible election in Kentucky. Uh, and we, you know, we really were hoping for more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we are now very focused on uh, what we can do to help you. So tell us what's in, what is Indivisible up to with this election, you know, or maybe a little bit about your group, just as a backstory, kind of who are you and where you, where you come sure. from, and then what are you guys doing? Yeah, and I'll start by saying that, um, you know, we actually share your pain here. <laughs> um, <laughs> that part of our, the Indivisible Georgia Coalition's focus is uh, down ballot races. And so there was a lot of pain in, in some of the down ballot races too. So there's a lot of work to do going forward. Um, and I'm really pleased to be working with a lot of folks that are approaching that in a very positive way in a way that builds on what's been done uh, by so many folks who've worked hard in Georgia, you know, some for decades. Um, and we're seeing some of the fruits of that work now. Um, so we're, what, what's going on in Georgia? Um, it's, it's a complicated time. We actually have some runoffs that are tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So those are for um, uh, state house office, state house, state senate, and then some local races like in my area, district attorney race. So uh, we're working on those um, at the same time that we're also uh, putting a lot of energy into the uh, January 5th runoffs. Um, so there are three races on the ballot on January 5th. There are the two Senate races that are getting a lot of attention. Uh, we also have a race for the Public Service Commission and we have an opportunity to elect the first African-American member of the Public Service Commission. And it's a chance for us to educate voters about how the Public Service Commission affects their pocketbook every day. Uh, so we're um, doing some uh, work across all of those. Some of that's coordinated with campaigns, some of it's coordinated with the Democratic Party, depending on the members and the organizations that are doing it. Some of it is with independent organizations, some of whom I'll mention in a minute. Um, I just realized I didn't say much about my my group, so let me do that real quick. Um, the Indivisible Georgia Coalition is a coalition of uh, local indivisible groups in the state. So, so my members are um, uh, our members are uh, groups themselves, not individuals. Um, and so that all the individual activism happens through those groups. Um, so we've got a number of groups in, in um, Metro Atlanta area, but we also have groups distributed uh, across the state as well. Um, so we've uh, really been pleased to have the energy that came into the general election and the results we saw in the presidential um, and then now the energy that's coming into the Senate runoffs. That yeah, it's really impressive. I mean, Georgia flipping, you know, at the at the for the the presidential race was really, you know, was impressive to see. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of interest now. You know, we had uh, a, a very good story being told nationally uh, about how important Georgia was. Stacey Abrams, you know, obviously did an amazing job of telling the story and investing in the organizing. Uh, Latasha Brown and Black Voters Matter like did amazing work just yeah. telling the story nationwide about how Georgia could flip and the story of kind of the the demographics of Georgia. You know, if we put the time and the energy in, you could get the payoff off in terms of the, the long-term organizing. That's really, really inspiring to see. I mean, obviously the demographics of Georgia aren't the same as Kentucky, but you know, the kind of the fact that, that, that 
that it was a red state, you know, dependably red state, and now it is not, gives uh, gives us some hope, and that we can maybe figure out, you know, how can we uh, shift right. uh, Kentucky to similarly be in play. Uh, but tell us a bit about what kind of work you guys are doing. Oh, go ahead, Kale. Well, I was just going to say the strategies, and this is actually going to answer your question about the kind of work we're doing as well. The strategies that have helped move Georgia forward, they have to be adapted to specifics of individual states, but they're not that different. One of the, I mean, they're not not applicable. They're applicable in other states. And one of the keys to that has been the emphasis that's been placed on expanding the electorate. And what I mean by that is both reaching people who are not registered and have never uh, found a value in being registered, have never seen a reason to participate, and also reaching people who are registered, but also have never found a value in participating, and sharing the messages about uh, why voting affects their everyday lives. Um, that's particularly important for us now in these Senate runoffs, uh, because there's a lot of um, uh, sometimes noise, sometimes discourse and good information at the national level and in the press about the effect on the Senate. And you mentioned this, Aaron, when I came, came on, you talked about some of that. The, the messaging that's really important to voters is how it affects their everyday life, because that's what motivates them to take time out of pandemic stressed, busy time to go ahead and, and get to the polls or vote by mail. So uh, we have a voter registration window that's open until December 7th. Uh, so a lot of groups are working on reaching Georgians who are not yet registered um, and informing them about why to register and about this particular unique opportunity um, in the Senate runoff. I do wanna address one thing here about voter registration. Um, and, and Doug in his remarks had said something about people moving to Georgia and registering. There's actually no evidence of that. Uh, it is illegal. Yes. And it is being, uh, it is misinformation uh, that's been uh, amplified and created by people who want to undermine what we're doing. So I really encourage people to not share that. Um, people who have, national folks who have said they are coming to Georgia, they said they were came, coming here to work on the races. They were not exactly. coming here to register. And that it's been this uh, springboard from that. So let me just, um, set that aside, but I did want to address it directly. Um, it does relate to one other thing we're working on though, and, and uh, Fair Fight uh, Action has really got a lead in this, um, is we're working on messaging and helping people find positive ways to get the word out and respond to misinformation without amplifying that information, misinformation. Um, and so focusing on the messages we want, Georgia has demonstrably had fair elections. We were very successful in running safe, secure elections where every vote was counted and is being counted now for the third time. So, um, so um, th those, are, those are the things we're working on. So Gail, I do have a question for you. I worked on the campaign here in the Commonwealth of Kentucky to ditch Mitch. Yeah. Bless it, I tried it. I keep saying I tried it, but what help do you need? Does Georgia need from folk like us? I just tell us what to do, and we will do what we can to be helpful to you, and not just what we think you need. Yeah, I really appreciate that question a lot, and really appreciate all y'all's work 
um, on the Senate race there. Okay. So um, I know there were a lot of people, I know you had the experience in being in the national spotlight with a lot of folks pulling for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure your efforts will build in the future. I mean, that's, I know that's crossed in a prayer on that one. Yeah. We are hopeful. It's just going to take time. Like Georgia didn't get to where we are overnight. It's going to take a process and we still got a ways to go there in Georgia as well. So absolutely. And that's something, I mean, I know I never lose sight of, mm -hmm. um, and I try to help our, um, activists, our members, indivis indivisible activists in the state also keep sight of that, that mm -hmm. we're making progress and there's a way to go. Um, so what can y'all do? The, the first answer and the best answer is one that people doesn't like to hear, but donate. I mean, it really is true that money to the campaigns makes a big difference and getting that money to them now allows them to start buying airtime, to expand their um, advertising footprint, as well as support their direct voter contact. Um, and one thing I really like about Indivisibles is how creative all the Indivisible groups around the country have been. So think about creative ways to do something with your network, family and friends that helps bring just small amounts in, but small amounts add up. Um, we had an example where somebody contacted us from out of state and said, look, we've got 100 people ready to go. What can they do? And we said, boy, if every one of them gave $5, look, it'd be $500. Um, so that's, that's one. So donate to campaigns directly. Um, as I said, uh, Public Service Commission is Daniel Blackman. And then you all know the um, two Senate candidates, um, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff. Um, if you prefer, you can also donate to the groups that are on the ground doing direct voter contact and the groups that have worked so hard to get us to where we are. Um, Aaron mentioned a couple of them. Um, I think uh, New, Georgia, New Georgia Project is one that's done a, a remarkable job on reaching voters and is focused on voter registration right now um, up through that December 7th deadline. Um, Fair Fight Action is uh, fundraising. They are splitting the funds, whatever they get with the two Senate campaigns. Indivisible is doing the same thing. So if there's organizations you wanna support, support those organizations, but so donate. And doesn't have to be a lot, but every bit helps. Um, the other thing that people can do uh, in their activism, excuse me, <clears throat> is to work with the organizations that are on the ground in the state. Um, and Excuse me, I'm sorry. Drink some water, we understand. <laughs> um, and again, those some of those same groups, Black Voters Matter, uh, New Georgia Project, Fair Fight Action. Um, the, the important thing about working with the groups that are on the ground um, is that they, th that helps build a common message here that makes the message that we're moving forward with more effective. Um, and it also ensures that you're getting the most recent information. Um, so our election specifics have changed very quickly over the past of 20, over the course of 2020. Um, so, and who knows what will happen next, but we, there are people here keeping up with that and ensuring that the information that's going to voters uh, is the most recent and it has the emphasis um, that we're putting out. And part of that emphasis is um, not so much about January 5th, January 5th is the runoff, but part of it is voting early, 
either in person or voting by mail and then taking steps to ensure that voters have accurate information about how to do it. So those are the two kind of guides that I have for y'all and uh, you know, can do what I can to provide connections to any groups that you're interested in. That's fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much, Gail. So, you know, we're really excited. Uh, Thank you for joining uh, Demote Mitch Monday. Uh, You know, uh, we are very, uh, we will not share that messaging with Georgia voters. I'm sure they don't care about Mitch, you know, and in fact, I think that was a really good, well, right. Okay. But I don't have to worry about you getting to the polls, Gail. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I know enough. you're going to be there. Uh, but the folks who are the marginal voters. Right. And that's how we can. W- Democrats only win if we get our marginal voters. You know, those who exactly call themselves Democrats. Right. Uh, but they know that Democrats are marginally better and fighting for them. Right. <laughs> like that, Those are the folks that will swing the election. Uh, you know, Republicans vote like it's their job. Democrats vote like it's, you know, they got to be motivated to, they got to be swayed to, they get, you know, so it takes more time, more energy to get our voters out. I'm, you know, very glad that Trump's not on the ballot because he, he pulls in those, you know, the, the marginal Republican voters, I think, uh, in a way that, uh, that we don't have a candidate that, that does that, right? Uh, so these, these, these runoff maybe elections. Maybe in Georgia we of, do. The, the, but maybe in Georgia we do have two candidates who will bring in those voters who don't normally get out to vote. Maybe this is a time that they'd be like, yes, my vote matters. And actually vote. Yeah, I That's hear you. But hello, you all. You know, I am Pollyanna and I, I'm so optimistic, it's sickening. Um, so, but let's just hope and let's dare to dream and let's do the work. Let's do the work, right. Hope and work. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm more than happy to have some hope. And, but I think, you know, I'm going to make a donation. Uh, I'm going to make three donations tonight, uh, both to the Senate candidates. And I'm a big fan of the PUC and the work that they do. And I know that they can be owned by those utilities so easily. That money, you know, those kind of corporate money can really own a PUC and that leaves people out in the cold. So uh, Daniel Blackman's going to get a contribution from me. Uh, I think what's really important, though, is that we all do whatever we can, right? Uh, and let's keep, you know, if you know folks in Georgia, make sure they go and register to vote right now, right? If you, you know, if you've got Facebook friends, you know, and you know, the idea of moving to Georgia, you can't, yeah, don't move to Georgia to vote, but maybe if you know a student who, re- who recently moved to Georgia to go to school, like, you know, they can vote <laughs> they, and make sure that they know how to register and that they're getting registered and that folks, uh, you know, are, are, are just aware this election is happening. Uh, because again, this will be a, you know, probably one of the, the highest, uh, you know, most engaged runoff elections in quite a while, but it's still going to be a huge drop off from that presidential, you know, general race. Uh, so this is where, you know, I think if we do a smart campaign, you can in fact win uh, you know, even in a uh, kind of in a highly purple state that I guess Georgia is right now, if we can do the right kind of voter turnout and if it's smart and if it's effective and impactful and if it's got the resources behind it for sure. But yeah, directly to the campaigns, they get the best ad rate. So that money should go to their camp, you know, should go directly to the candidates campaign so they can get the most bang for your buck uh, in terms of getting their messages out there. And their DVC is going to be the most like, you know, targeted and uh, kind of uh, impactful stuff as well. So Gail, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for the work you're doing always happy to hear from another indivisible group any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with no i mean y'all it well keep the optimism going right that's what <laughs> that's what leads to long-term change and then just thank you all for for all you're doing and for what you what you've done and what you are doing
So appreciate the chance to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we appreciate it. On. Cheering you all on and donating money because we need you all. Thank you. Y'all take care. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. All right. Have a great night. So yeah, we're going to need to continue to hold Mitch accountable, right? To, to, to do that, you know, depending on what happens in Georgia in January, Mitch is likely going to be the key force keeping our nation from moving policy forward. Uh, that is absolutely a fight worth having, right? We have got to keep holding him accountable. So we, the, we, as the Mitch McConnell Retirement Committee, you know, we're having conversations about, you know, what are we going to call ourselves moving forward? Uh, I think there's a lot of Mitch, you know, I think we should ask him to retire. I think, you know, each and every we chance we have. Need, we do need him to retire, but we also need, we have another Senator in the Commonwealth of Kentucky and his name is Rand Paul. Also not from Kentucky. Also not serving uh, the citizens of Kentucky as we should be served. No. Period. No, absolutely. And also making us, like Mitch McConnell, um, a laughing stock there in the Senate. If you listen to, if you do a review of his questioning, uh, the list of questionings and his behavior as his quote unquote status as a doctor, quote unquote, not board certified, but um, it's a laughing stock and we need to, whatever we name, whatever the new name it is, it needs to make sure that we're holding our um, leaders, our elected officials accountable. Um, so I'm, I'm all for us in our debate about the name and making sure that we're not so narrowly tailored that we're forgetting everyone that's making the decisions on our, on our lives. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think, you know, what, it's not just about the Senate, you know, no, I mean, obviously I think in two years we've got, you know, Rand Paul up for re-election. We got to get rid of that joker. We have uh, all of, is Hal, what about Hal, what's his name down there? In... Oh, Hal Rogers. Yes. That guy's, that guy's never going anywhere. I I'm mean, sorry. He yeah. to... <laughs> oh, I know he's not going anywhere, but there's a, bless it, you all Kentuckians. But I Massey, to... you know, Massey up in the fourth district. And absolutely, I, I, fa did I will not. Did he even have an opponent? Did I he? will not. Oh, yes, he did. He did. He did. Uh, Alexander Owensby. We had yes. her on. She was really great. Um, mm -hmm. what, but I, but what I know, and I don't know, I haven't talked to Josh, you know, but I think that the sixth is winnable. I think it it's is. certainly winnable in a race when there's not like the Trump tsunami, you know, bringing the conservative voters out of the woodwork, uh, in a, in a midterm election. I think that seat is absolutely winnable, it uh, is. but you know, it's, it's going to take and Josh time is the candidate for us, but that's another is. tough, right? Um, I mean, he is I a friend we, and I think we need to talk to him. I think we need to make sure that he's like thinking about keeping, just keep running, just run for two more. That's what Andy Barr did, uh, you that know, and so- That's I think what Ralph Alvarado did. Um, that's, sorry, that's state level. Sorry, that's personal. Um, but I think state level is really <laughs> important too. I think state level is really important too. And Evidently, we can, as we know, lost seats in the, in the house, we lost seats here on the local, on the state level, so. But yeah. all levels are important, but I just wanna make sure that we're not forgetting that it, Mitch is very powerful, but we have other people who are adding to the power, have more power than us. We're making decisions that affect our daily lives, such as unemployment, such as health care, such as, you know, education. So. Yeah, 100%. And actually, you know, on that front, like the, these programs that really do matter, yes. um, you know, the, the federal 
the federal unemployment benefit. Uh, we actually, about 5,000 folks in Kentucky are not going to be el eligible for that federal unemployment uh, benefit, the, the extended a bit, the, you know, the, wow. the, the, what the Trump did, uh, because our overall unemployment rate dropped below 5%. So now that program that Trump, you know, you know put in with great fanfare, we, you know, stole money from FEMA to, to create it, uh, that now people in Kentucky are not going to be uh, able to join join into that. So again, Mitch McConnell, if he was, you know, actually leading for our Commonwealth, he would be in there negotiating a, a, a bill to to deal with these coronavirus impacts. He's nowhere, you know. Uh, so this is, I think, again, that, that accountability piece is so important. So uh, what I do want to say this, though, uh, thank you so much, Denise, for, for coming back in. It's so yeah. much, so much, you know, such a pleasure to chat with you uh, and have your, your, you know, your hopefulness uh, with, you yeah. know, my cynicism, my, your hopefulness. I think, you know, it's a, it's a good so balance. I'm so hopeful it's to a fault, but you all <laughs> just know that despite my optimism and my, my belief in each and single one of us, I, I know that there is a lot of negativity out there and that people who are out there just for themselves. I do know that. But however, I am always going to be optimistic. I'm always going to land on, on the air of optimism, but I will always be out there doing the work, which is what I hope each and every single one of you all are doing as well. Yeah, 100%. All right. So for our viewers, thanks again for tuning in. We will be back next week. We're going to have a deep dive into the other corrupt Senate, uh, Georgia Senator. Uh, we're going to, you know, kind of click, you know, give you quick updates on other ways to get involved. You didn't sign up for Vote Forward. Uh, I wanted to say thanks to Ken for making the show, Couchfire Media, making the show look better than your average live stream. That's, I think that's safe to say. Uh, they were a good looking live stream. And I don't mean, you know, me and Denise, although we are, I think, you know, we're good looking folks. But I'm not the, wearing uh, makeup, except for this gloss you are. Just know that. But um, uh, Ken makes us look even cooler and better. Uh, and thanks to Nate for the music. Uh, I am so proud of the music we bring to you uh, every week for our for our show. Uh, a couple important songs there brought to you by Nate. Uh, and of course, we can always do more with support. Any amount helps us keep going, you know, uh, pays our Zoom bill. You know, if you want to make a donation, please do so. We're an all-volunteer campaign, so any dollar goes to us uh, spreading our message, producing our show, uh, and, you know, it, it's all useful. So anyway, uh, thanks for all you do. Have a great night, and uh, I'm sorry we came on a little bit late uh, we had some technical difficulties with our live stream, but I will say the first 10 minutes of the show were really good because we got to practice it. <laughs> <Twice>. <laughs> uh, everyone have a great night.